All right, let's do this. I don't have any questions. All right, man. All right, man. Okay, we'll just do a three, two, one, and then I'll intro and we'll get going. Sound good? Sounds fantastic. Okay, man. Thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. No worries, man. What is this again? What are we doing? A hoops journey, baby. <laughs> All right, cool. Right on. You're, I read your little thing. I read your little questions and everything, but let's roll. Three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hoops Journey. Uh, the next guest we have here, his personality is as big as his body. Uh, we are super thrilled to have a guy who is a uh, one of the best hoopers to ever come out of British Columbia, living down in uh, Spokane, Washington, um, former proud Hansworth Royal, Gonzaga Bulldog, um, Los Angeles Laker, no one other than Robert Sacre. How are you, sir? Man, that was the most formal introduction I've ever had in my entire life, thanks to you. Aaron, I'm impressed. Got you, man. We ain't playing no games yeah, over yeah, here. Well, that was impressive. I was really impressed on that. I'm good, man. Life is good. I'm just trying to make sense of the world like everyone else. Yeah, and that, um, you know, we'll give you've got a little podcast going yourself, right? Believe in the Zags, and I've checked a few episodes out. And how is you know, like you said already, how has COVID life been for you guys chasing your little ones around and just trying to balance through this sort of chaos, man? How's everyone doing? Well, I completely understand why domestic violence and uh, child abuse has gone up. I completely get it now. I understand <laughs> those numbers because you're cooped up in these houses and you want to kill each other. But, you know, life is good, man. Everybody's good. The kids are healthy. Um my wife's doing well. We're just trying to just hunker down. I'm, I'm fortunate enough. I've got enough things on my plate to keep my mind stimulated and keep going. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got eight more weeks and I got my master's. So I can't complain. a boy? Yeah, who knew? I get no way. Master's in what? Uh, athletic administration, organizational leadership type deal. Man, I, di I did my master's through Gonzaga. Hey. Did you really? Yeah, leadership and admin. I went down for the grad there and everything. You bet, brother. I'm a, I'm a zag, man. Same, same course. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Right on. I didn't, that's, congrats, man. I didn't thanks, know you were thanks, buddy. Yeah, it was it, it was a it was a cool moment, man. Especially, I'm, I'm sure you can relate. Being like a uh, a high C, low C plus student my entire entire life to uh, actually getting the work done because it's not easy, man. Like they help you a lot, but there's you really got to get after it. So good on you, man. That's impressive. Did you have the chance to work with Chuck Selena at all, or is he retired? Retired. I that's not ah, any okay. name I've heard of on campus, okay. but yeah, no. It. I always believed C's got degrees and um, now I have to get at least a B average and it's been, it's been tough, but at the same time, like, you know, I think for me, I just want to get better all the way around. Yeah. And um, that's my, my, my goals in life is just to get better and everything yeah. all, as a person and as a father, as a, a businessman, everything. So yeah. it's just, it's been it's been great. Good for you, man. I you know what, and I really I really enjoyed it because 
they finally start to treat you like an adult, right? Like when you're in college or high school, you sort of get treated like you're, you know, the bottom of the rung. But then in adult education, it's like they understand you're balancing life, you're balancing a job, you're balancing a family, whatever it is. And it's like, I just really enjoyed it. And I learned so much. And I don't know how you feel about that. Like, did you take a lot away? And have you taken a lot away from it? Well, here's the cool thing about me also is I'm working for Gonzaga as well, uh, helping fundraise. So that as well, I get to see from the athletic standpoint, athletic, um, the athletic side, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The de- athletic department side. Yeah. I get to see what they're doing and how, the, how things are ran. Um, because as an athlete, you really don't get to see those things. You don't get to see the ins and outs of, how programs are ran and you just think money just comes out of thin air basically as an athlete you're like i come here money's here and that's what happens but there is a process and it's kind of been nice because it kind of is parallel to how i'm i'm taking this this course and these classes and so i can put two and two together like my last class was current events and it was right after, and I was basically writing papers on what's going on in college sports and college athletics right now. And it, and it kind of relates to what I'm doing for work. So it kind of, it's been, it's been really unique on that sense. That's cool, man. That's very cool. You'll have to hit me up for a donation, man. Gonzaga's never come knocking on my door. So here's my thing. I just bought plates for my car. So I, then I can just say, Hey, I donate every year. That's how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. (laughs) You're a clown, man. I love it. Um, (laughs) Okay, well, let's just jump right into it, dude. Um, Appreciate your time and everything. And just tell us a little bit about young Robbie, man. What was he like? What what sports was he involved? Obviously, we have a little bit of history. You got got the chance to coach you on the U seventeen team back in the day. It was, feels like you know I ran into Scott Allen. You the did last time I was in Vancouver. I ran into him on the C uh, bus, and uh, you know, as much as I do not want to say this. I won't say thank you, but I I will say thank you. You know, Um, I will say because he did say you're going to thank me for this. And I right now I look back and I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about, but I look at it like I had to go through that adversity to become the athlete and man I am now. And I'm glad I, I I'm glad you were there. You know, you really helped me out, Aaron, for just kind of getting me balanced. Uh, and you were you were a jokester, and you understood my mentality a lot. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm grateful to have that experience. And I, for me, I think like I tell people all the time, I got to Gonzaga, and I like everybody you think you're going to be the big fish on campus or whatever big guy on campus and then you it's kind of like i tell people basketball is like driving when you when you drive the first time you drive you're on back streets you're in parking parking lots you know you're just somewhere really familiar and you you feel comfortable and that's kind of like high school basketball you know Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And then the next level is like driving into the city, right? Yeah. (laughs) And and that's like college. It's faster. You kind of have to make quicker decisions. You can't just hesitate. There's the pace is up, you know, and then like the highest level is like the NBA is like driving on the 405 in Seattle. You know what I mean? (laughs) So yeah. And like, so you got to make quick decisions. Things are coming at you, but it, eventually it comes naturally to you over time. And all those things come naturally over time and you feel comfortable. So I think that was a, that was kind of the adjustment for me was I had to, I had to really develop my game and improve throughout the whole time I was at Gonzaga. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great analogy. I love that, man. And, you know, let's just talk about kind of your time in high school. Obviously, you know, I've seen some former tweets from you and your thoughts on your teams that you had and stuff like that. And having the, uh, you know, the honor of playing with Quinn, right? We had Doug Plum on our previous episode talking about Quinn Keast a little bit and, you know, like Scotty Lee and so many great guys. Just talk about your high school experience before we move into kind of the recruiting process and and how was it playing for Coach Story and, and all those experiences you had at Hansworth? I'm, I'm assuming you, you played as a grade 10, right? Probably played senior as a 10? Nine. Nine. Okay. Yeah, so, was, and, and how, yeah. and how big were you in grade nine? Six, nine, six, eight, okay. six, nine. And I uh, yep. played against Scott Morrison. They beat us, but I just wanted to give a shout out to coach story. I think he just, mm-hmm. I know he retired this year. So I just wanted to uh, really thank him for helping me develop and get better and improve and give mm-hmm. me the basics on how to be a big man. And I think, I look back at my high school days and those guys screwed me up because they made it fit. Basketball was so much fun in high school that I, I just thought it was like that in every level. You know? <laughs> 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 Don't get me wrong. I mean, basketball has always been great, but I just had so much fun with my high school teammates and just playing with those guys and, Everybody wanted to get better, and it was just a. It was a. I feel like my era of basketball again in in Vancouver was really competitive. I don't know about now. I'm I'm sorry to say I haven't really watched much high school basketball in Vancouver, but I just feel like we really everybody was super competitive, and it there were some really good athletes coming out of Vancouver at the time. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, I don't think you're being biased at all. Someone who's, you know, my first summer coaching was with you at U17 year. And then I've been doing it for like 16 years and actually, you know, talking with Doug and I bumped into Scotty Lee a couple of times and talking about the guys that were coming out over those, you know, two, three years, the Bull Kongs, the Alex Murphys, like guys were moving on. You just mentioned Scott Morrison, like there's some, some serious ballers that were coming out for sure. And so, you know, trying to, trying to get to the BCs, obviously getting off the shore is a challenge. And then even just making a run to have the opportunity to win it is a challenge in itself too so you know you you guys have solidified yourself in the in the history books so to say but yeah there's definitely you know and then you got to experience the uh the wrath of mike morgan and dell for a summer as well and and play with some great guys too i always text with them and they always we always somehow when we're we have a group text going there's some funny story that comes up about you um and just like <laughs> and let's be well, honest here too man you're talking about, like, let me get let me get in that group chat one day 
All right, I'll get you now that I got your number for sure. They, uh, uh, the last one no, was like you got to you got to think about it. Like just out of m- my high school, it was mm-hmm. it was uh, Tyler Kepke, myself. Those are two guys who went D one, and then you had national team. Um, yeah, national team. Can Those you, just two guys can you right pause? there. Went, can you you okay? So Kepke was in grade twelve when you were in grade ten. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, and we've talked about him before on this show, but can you just, like, that guy, he might be one of the most slept-on, not-slept-on guys ever. Like, he was an absolute beast. I remember I went and watched you guys play at New West, um, and they had um, the big man, or her fan, or whatever, and Kepke, like, I was like, who, this guy is crazy, man. How good was that guy? Oh, man. No, you know what it was that made him great was just his work ethic. I've never seen somebody yeah. work that hard in high school in my life and and his determination to be great no matter what how big he was that it goes to show like hard work pays off and you can and he had a he's still having I think he plays in Hong Kong yeah. I don't know now but yeah um, yeah he's still hooping man <laughs> yeah he's doing great and he's playing over there in Hong Kong and um, he's having a successful, he's had a great career, like led yeah. Juco in scoring out here in the States. And then, um, went to university of Utah and, and played there. And so I don't think people give him enough credit, like you said, but he was a hell of a player. And I learned a lot of just how to be a work workhorse. And just that work ethic is, is key to be successful. Yeah. And like you, like you're, I cut you off there, but talking about, not you know okay sometimes we get a division one guy but rare do we have you know from the same program in a three-year span two guys going d1 so you're in grade 10 going in the gym every morning and you got a guy like kepcake who's just mindset is just absolute workhorse and then keep going like the other guys that you played with and had the opportunity just in just in hands with yeah yeah scott lee went to the university of alberta quinn was going to go somewhere but unfortunately you know the accident and yeah um uh, uh, um, I'm just thinking about guys I played against too. Mark Trazzolini went to Stan, uh, Santa Clara. Bull Kong came to Gonzaga. Um, it was just everybody. There was guys all over, you know. Uh, Willie yeah. Gallick went to Pepperdine. You know, it was just yeah. I'm thinking of Scott yeah, Morris. There was a lot of talent coming out. Uh, Tyrell Mara, you know. So yep, for sure. Yeah, I look at that, just those that name right there, and no one can compete. No one can mm-hmm. compete with us, I think. You know? And then so so then like when you're when you're in your senior years, like I, one thing that always stood out to me was um I always appreciated how like you were just always such a like outgoing sort of you know, you're a you're a you're you're an extrovert like me, right? So like COVID has not been great for our personalities, which is why we both probably go on a podcast and ramble so we can at least get something out. But uh, like everywhere we went, I'm a a Gemini. So I'm part extrovert, part introvert. That's what I've realized about myself. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, And just like, I realized there was like, okay, when we would go everywhere we would go, we always had two, three, four coaches, you know, watching us play, right? Coach Few came to a couple of our practices and things like that. It, when did it click for you that, you know, 
moving to division one was something that you wanted or was on your radar and uh just talk a little bit about that that process and how you decided to choose gonzaga or did gonzaga end up choosing you because i was always interested about that i never really i wanted to leave you alone and not you know just let you enjoy your summer and your time but uh upon reflection like how did you get there um you know i never really gonzaga wasn't even on my top five at the time and uh who was uh but it was ironically it was UW, Oregon State, LSU, um Arizona and UCLA and I'm missing one I feel I don't know but it was just I I never really thought about going to Gonzaga and then they kept harping on me. Tommy Lloyd kept harping on, you need to come down. You need to come down. You need to come down. So Canadian Thanksgiving, I went down uh, with my mom and we did an unofficial visit. And that was Adam Morrison's breakout year that year where he was averaging 28 points a game. And I Mm -hmm. went and scrimmaged with those guys and everybody just, it was like a family uh, atmosphere. And I remember, I remember the whole weekend. Coach Few really nearly didn't talk to me, and I thought it was really weird. And uh, he would ask questions here and there, but really didn't talk that much. And then the last day, he brought me into his office, and everything I had said or wanted in a college, he had written down on the board, and. <laughs> compared and contrasted against every other school that was competing. And I, at that time, I think I had 40 colleges recruiting me um, and I would get, I had 40 offers. So he just compared and contrasted and basically from a mindset, it made sense to go there. And as from a hard set, it was just a family oriented program. So it, it just, I remember driving back from Spokane and I said, I want to go to Gonzaga. And my mom's like, well, just sleep on it and give yourself 48 hours to really think about it. It's, you know, it's the new, it's the new, it's the new shoes right now. So you're just really excited to wear those. You know what I mean? Type deal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I slept on it for 24 hours and I called my dad that next day and I was like, I'm going to Gonzaga. That's where I'm going. I feel comfortable with it this is where I want to be. And, uh, long story short, I committed the next, next day. Wow. So (laughs) I never regretted that day since. Yeah. I don't. And I, when you see the culture and what coach few has been able to do, I I think, you know, yeah, you definitely made the right choice. I don't want to speak for you, but I love how he broke that down. I've been to a few of the Vegas clinics and he was one of my favorite clinics because you go to these clinics a lot of times and these guys don't, you know, the coaches are, you know, they're relating to guys that are 6'10 and 7 feet, or this is what we do with our wing slasher who's 6'9 and, you know, a top 10 recruit. But Coach Few gave us like 10 sets that you guys ran, right? And I was like, wow. And he just seemed to be able to, you know, just work on different levels with people, right? He was able, not that he was dropping it down, but he realized who his target audience was and he was very personable that way, right? Um, oh. and, I, and one thing... I, I always tell kids too when they when you go to make a choice that breakdown is so key right what are the goods and the bads what what's you know if you go here or do this what's going to come from it if you make this choice what's going to come from it so that's great stuff man I like amazing that 
And then that resonated with you right away. Hey, that must've been kind of like, whoa, is this guy in my brain or what? <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, yeah. and for me, um, and for me, I think the kids have it easy now. And I, I feel, I feel like an old guy now saying this, but like <laughs> I do, because I do feel like it's because coming up, it was, this is the most important decision of your life. You know what I mean? Now guys mm -hmm. can transfer left and right and don't, they, they don't really have the accountability to stay at a college like they used to. Right. If you went, yeah. you were, that's four years of your life. You know, now you can, it's easier to transfer, go places here and there and have like opportunities to play at different schools, you know, but during my time, it was like, you really didn't hear about the only people you heard about transfer guys were transferring back to Canada. If you, you know, yeah, that yeah. was it. You didn't really mm -hmm. hear about transferring, going to a different school. That wasn't, that's just not how you, so when you made this decision, you were locked in, you know what I mean? Yeah. A little bit of like loyalty to yourself in the program, right? I think of like a Olenek too, right? Went went through some tougher times, and like the guy sits out going into his senior year, and then who knows? Like if he leaves and goes somewhere else, who knows how his path goes for him? But he stuck with it and believed in in the program and himself, and ended up turning things around and having a great senior year and gets drafted, right? So I was like, I think that's a good takeaway. But it is true: is the hopping around seems to be pretty common, man. It's yeah. a joke. It's a joke. Now, granted, we make our money off of people coming and transferring to Gonzaga now, but at the same time, it's it's that's the problem, man. Guy, I, I think that's my issue with basketball in the sense of I don't think kids are held accountable like they used to be. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like. Uh, like it's easy. Oh, this coach isn't playing me. Well, maybe you need to get better. How about that? You know, instead of being <laughs> the victim, like, how about you improve? You know? Yeah. And um, I think uh, that's a thing that I'm really seeing more and more in basketball. When things get tough, there's a lot of guys that in this generation, maybe that, they they just hop to another team or go to a different high school or you know different AAU yep. team or something like that because it was tough and they they just want it easy. But I think when you have to really break things down, that adversity like we can go back to that year where you and Scott Allen were my coach and man, I, I'll be the first one. I was an asshole during that mm. that summer. I could I could greatly say that and look back at myself and like, I didn't appreciate the time and effort you guys put in. And at the same time, I just kind of took it for granted, but I know I butted heads with Scott so much at the same time. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I had to go through that. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, it made me mm -hmm. the person who I am and it put adversity in my life to the point where like, now I feel like I can do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And probably at that point in your life, you, you know, maybe, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, maybe, you know, you're hearing a lot of positive things about yourself and, you know, Correct. there's yeah. a, right. And so Scott was a challenging coach, right? And he, you know, and, and it's his style wasn't for everyone. Yeah. Who was the redhead kid? Who was the redhead guy? Played at, Mike Berg? Know, yeah, I had to beat the shit out of him one game or one practice because yeah. Scott Allen was like, 
you guys need to play one-on-one for starting position. And I was like, oh, this poor guy, I have to beat the hell out of him now. And, but <laughs> I needed it, right? Yeah. That's what I needed. For sure. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm grateful for that. Good, man. And that's that's good reflection. I think it's a huge thing, too. And one thing we, you know, we preach on the show and with with the kids that we coach is the sooner you can start to be a reflective person, right? Like, don't wait till you're 42, like me, to be really reflective. Like, look back on things that have happened to you and question them and challenge them and then get better from them, right? And that's all you can really ask of yourself. Absolutely. And I try yeah. to instill this and never be, and, and Coach Few really instilled this in me. And it took me, it took me a while to really take it in for what it is, but never be the victim, whatever it is, mm. never be the victim because it's, e- it's easy to be the victim. It's very easy. It, you, it's just the human mind wants things to be easy, right? So when things mm-hmm. aren't easy, we want to blame other people. And I feel that once you grasp that knowledge of, uh-uh, this is on me. This is what I, everything that I do represents me. And, and I have to just grab the bull by the horns. Then I think your life, all of you open doors that you never can imagine. Yeah. That's good stuff right there, man. Appreciate that. And then, you know, you've obviously talked a little bit about your time at, at Gonzaga, but you know, I mean, you're a defensive player of the year in the West Coast Conference, you know, first team all-star twice. And, you know, how was that experience overall? You've touched on it a little bit, but it sounds like it was just such a positive time of your life for you. And obviously so good that you, you know, you end up moving back and you're still in Spokane and working for the university again. But talk about your college life. Like I tell kids all the time, like if, if your grade 12 years, like the best year of your life, then we've done something wrong. You know what I mean? Like, right. Right. No yeah, question. Yeah. And you're still talking yeah. to those guys from those guys in high school that are still reminiscing about those parties. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh man. Remember in grade 11 when we did this and we used to, you know, and you're like, bruh, come on, we're, we're 30 now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, come on. Yeah. But yeah. um, no, I, I'll be the first one to say my first two years, I want, I wanted out, you know, I thought mm. it was tough. And, uh, and my second year I broke my foot. And so I was just discouraged, you know? Um, so my first year I didn't play that much. And then that summer I worked my tail off, stayed in Spokane that whole summer and worked my tail off and just improved on my game all the way around. And um, came back and broke my foot in training camp because I went to Louisiana, gained a lot of weight, and came back and just had a stress fracture in my foot. So I was out, did everything I needed to do to get back on on the court, and came back a month later, rebroke my foot. And I was just kind of going into that whole victim mentality, like, woe is me, and everything like that. But after like maybe two weeks, I was like, all right, I'm going to get better. And um, that whole summer, I just worked on my game and I worked on my game. And, and I really, I, I use the expression, water the bamboo. I watered the bamboo the whole, the whole summer. And I just remember that next year, my redshirt sophomore year, we played Michigan State at Michigan State. 
And all that hard work gave me 17 and I want to say eight, 17 and seven. And after not playing, you know, and then I just had a breakthrough game. And I just Mm -hmm. remember realizing that you might not see gratification when you're working, but over a long period of time and over a course of period of time, you're going to see great, great, you know, huge leaps and bounds. And that's what that Michigan State meant for me. And I saw the improvement of just working out in the summer and getting better throughout the whole summer to how it really, it it, it transformed my game. And so then it got addicted and I enjoyed working because then I saw the, the the fruits the, of your the labor of my labor yeah absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, can you talk a little and, bit I, I, can you talk about water the bamboo because i i took that from you you used to and you know you're not as active on twitter anymore but um i researched that so what does water the bamboo mean because i i'm a big well, phrase guy too always looking for different things yeah me? i have it i have it tattooed on my wrist now just as for life so i can always use it to get better is what the Japanese will do is they'll water the bamboo and uh, they'll plant bamboo. And for three years, they water it and nothing grows and they consistently water it every single day. And for a lot of people, that's monotonous and it's almost insanity. Right. But the whole, the whole metaphor is if you keep watering, the fourth year, it'll grow six feet in three months. So you're not going to see gratification right away. But if you keep watering the bamboo over time, you're going to your your work will you'll pay off. Love it, man. It's great stuff. And that's that story you've given. And then so after that Michigan State game, does that feel like that's the moment for you where things just sort of start to really snowball? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was the yeah. I, I, my goal in life, and I've always had that goal, is to go play NBA. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but that was my mm-hmm. always my ultimate goal ever ever since I was a little kid. So to to see my hard work pay off, and then see where I was heading, I knew that I could get there, and um, it. I, it just went from there. I felt like I was the man now at Gonzaga and no one could stop me. Yeah. And who were, you know, you mentioned obviously in life, you have these mentors and people that come in and are your life and have different impacts. So that summer that you stay and who are some of those coaches within the program, maybe behind the scenes that, you know, like you mentioned, Tommy Lloyd, who's come up here a lot and ran some stuff, but who are the, who are the guys that like really committed to you or was it you just working on your own? I'm just in- interested to know no, what that no, summer no. was I'll like. Give credit where credit yeah. is due. Um, Alex Hernandez, he was, um, a grad assistant and he's like my brother now. Um, he worked with me every single day. And we just put in the time, got tennis ball, worked on hand, worked on footwork, everything, you know. And um, I just I give credit to where credit's due. And he really he, he pushed me to get better. And I think I pushed him to get better as a coach. And I, uh, we we strived for the to just improve all the way around. So um, 
Yeah, I wouldn't be where I'm at without Alex. His daughter is my goddaughter, and my son is his godson. So that's how close we are now. That's cool, man. I love that. Yeah. Um, Jay Triano was on the pod, and he talked about like Damian Lillard and the relationship they had just for a brief time, but basically how like Dame would always say, like, what do you have for me today, coach? So he felt like he was challenging Dame to be better, but Dame was also challenging him as a coach to be better, right? So you mentioned that too. Like you felt like you were making him be a better coach by being like, hey, let's get after it, you know? And so I think as coaches, we can also, I feel like it's a two-way street, right? I think a lot of times young coaches feel like they have to always advise and tell, but when you have players that are willing to give feedback that's open and honest and you're and you're open to hearing that, that's when you can really grow as a coach too. So good story there, man. Um, Aaron, that's I'm why sure. we got two ears, brother. That's why we got two ears and one mouth. You should listen more and talk less. Yeah. Sorry, can you say that again, my man? Just, just, just for the people in the back. Sorry, what? I said, that's why we have two ears and one mouth. We should listen more and talk less. Now, granted, that's hard for me to do, but at the same time, <laughs> you, know, you always got to have that in your mind. So you always want to be yeah. coachable, whether you're a coach, listening to players, vice versa, you know? Yeah. It's situational. I mean, there's a time where we need you to just be running your mouth because that's just entertaining and fun, right? But uh, Oh, yeah, because all I do is talk yeah. and swallow spit. You know what I mean? You know? <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've got like... We've got like three t-shirts we can make up already. We got Wamba, Water the Bamboo, Talk shit, Swallow Spit. Oh, man, man I can give you so many Vancouver's Pride and Joy. Some like to call me Sugar Boy because all I do is bring some joy, you dig? I can I can go <laughs> for days, brother. <laughs> oh, man, I knew this would be money. Oh, big Robbie. <laughs> Nothing's changed, man. I love it. Um, So then as you're <laughs> getting close to <laughs> – you know, your senior year or whatever, like talk about the process of getting, finally getting to the NBA and draft day, like the nerves and just the anxiety. And then, you know, how, how that felt to just actually be like, wow, damn, I made it. You know, I know, uh, I keep in touch with, um, Scott Ramsey, right. I know he's a, you know, he coached you for years yeah. and followed your path. And, and, and so just talk about what that felt like kind of full circle, getting, being able to have an opportunity, like, I mean, you got to wear the maple leaf on your jersey and you, you know, you represented Canada, but like you said, your ultimate goal was the NBA and to finally get there. Like a lot of us set goals for ourselves, whether in sport or life, but we set them and maybe don't necessarily reach them. You were someone who got to get there and had to have been just an amazing day for you. It was a stressful day. I worked out with New Orleans the night before and that was, uh, they said they were going to whoever had worked out that day was going to get picked for the 46th pick. And there were six guys. And, uh, I remember flying down. I was like, all right, I'll go, I'll go down and go work there. And my mom flew down to Louisiana and, uh, my wife, she flew down there with our son. And, um, I remember they, we just went to my grandparents' house to watch the draft. And I thought I was going to get drafted by new Orleans cause I had such a great workout and I was like, well, I'll just stay here, right? And um, yeah, I just remember that day. And I didn't even work out with the Lakers. And I just remember watching the draft and it was four hours into it and 
46 pick New Orleans comes up and they didn't even draft anybody from that workout. So I realized what, what the game meant, you know, what the next level is all really about, you know, um, it's not, not all a business, man. I'm a business yeah, all, man. <laughs> exactly. And so that, um, that kind of gave me a little eye opener of what life is about and what business is about. And, um, I just was like, all right, well, let me just see who gets picked last. I've waited four hours to watch all these guys get their names called. Might as well just see who gets the last pick and best for last, baby. Guess who gets picked? Yeah. Me. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Where is he? All right. Let me pause real quick. Let me pause. Yeah, you're real good. Quick. You're good. No problem. Goodlad Clothing is the most unique shopping experience in the Lower Mainland. The owner Shane Meyer has worked hard to create a personal experience, offering clothing, specialized coffee, haircuts, and beard trims. Located in Lower Lonsdale at 221 West Esplanade in North Vancouver, seconds from the C-Bus. If you are unable to make it to the store, you can shop online at shopthefoldgroup.com. And oh yeah, in store, if you mention a hoops journey, you'll receive 15% off anything store-wide. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A Hoops Journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's Streaky Jump Shot. We hope to see you Parkside. Yeah. So really that come full circle, you know, everything really mm. worked out for me. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm blessed to say that I was able to play with some of the greatest players on, on earth. And I, man, I, well, I can always, <laughs> I can always look back at my first game. It was a preseason game and Dwight Howard was hurt. And they said, Rob, you're starting. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> And I remember going for jump ball and I look to my left and there's Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash. And I look to my right and there's metal world peace and Pau Gasol walking out to center court. And that was the most surreal moment of my life. 
yeah, like that's like an out of body experience, man. It was, it was, and yeah. and I've learned so much from all that and all those guys and work ethic and how to be a good teammate from Nash. He showed he showed me just how to be a great teammate and what what to do to be successful. And I remember, unfortunately, he had he was at the end of his career. And, but he would he work two out. hours just to get 10 minutes of playing time. You know, that's just the type of guy he was. And, yeah. um, yeah. And Kobe was like just to get his body ready, just to get his body ready. It, he had to get a full on lather. Man was 40 years old when he was playing. Come on, give him a break. Yeah. Aaron, he's damn he's your age. No, I know. I know. I, I think it's impressive. Like the, the effort. The effort to do that, though, and the, and the mentality to be like, I'm still going to push through this just to get those minutes. I'm like, that's just mind boggling to me. Absolutely. So uh, yeah. I I just got to I got to really learn and, and and embrace that moment of being with those guys. And now looking back, I'm I'm, I'm blessed. I can't complain. You know, life is yeah, good. Man. And I. Awesome. Uh, I I look back throughout my four years in LA and my last year, I can easily say I might've gone through some kind of depression or something because we sucked, first of all. And yeah. uh, I wasn't playing and we, I, yeah, we sucked. Now I think about it, I think we set the record for lowest like wins. I wasn't playing and we were still running suicides and 17s with two weeks left in the season. And I'm asking myself, do I really love this game? And right. I, I really, but I found myself wasting time on the plane. So I started picking up these books and uh, the book that really changed my life. And it really helped me from then on was uh, the Power of the Now by Eckhart Tolle. You know, mm-hmm. you know that one. He's from Vancouver, actually. Really? Yeah, uh, Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, didn't dude, know that. If you haven't read that book, that's the book you need to read because it talks about most of our anxiety comes from thinking about the future, and most of our depression comes from thinking about the past. But if you can focus on being in the moment, that's where you're most, I guess, quote unquote enlightened or in the flow of life and that's where you Mm -hmm. want to be all the time in your in your mindset big robbie bidding knowledge man oh dude and that couldn't be any more true though it couldn't be any more true and so for for me and i just started reading and i started reading religiously um i never thought i would be into reading but when i went over to japan I had nothing but time, so I just started reading book after book and um, self-improvement books and how to get better as a person. And, and and I started using the things I learned in those books to really instill in my life. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm leading score. I'm two-time all-star in Japan, and I'm starting to see these little things start to pay off. And, and the knowledge I'm getting about how to improve as a person, player, being – you know, finding myself conscious is it really helped me. And, um, so I look at that, that year, my last year in LA 
granted when it when I was in it, it was miserable and it it was a tough time. I could easily say it was a, it was one of the hardest times for me in basketball, but at the same time, I uh, it 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 really helped me open up my mind to seeing what the world was really like and and it helped me improve as a person and i needed those i needed that to really get better so now i feel like i can do anything there's nothing that stops me now like i i i from going from there to now i can do anything so yeah life's a trip bro it is, man. It really is. Thanks for sharing that. I think, you know, a lot of times, especially you'd be aware is like this perception that because you're getting paid, you know, millions of dollars to play a sport that life is always just great. And I don't think people really know behind the scenes, like just how much winning and losing can can impact people and playing time or not playing time or just the culture of a team. And because you're on, you know, you're at the four seasons and you're on jets and, you know, you live a nice lifestyle doesn't mean that like you guys don't have hearts and souls and don't reflect and care. Right. So I think that's super cool stuff to hear um, just on your own personal growth and reflection and what sounds like probably the worst year of your basketball career, just from an emotional standpoint. And you use that as an opportunity to, okay, how, how can I be a better Rob Sacre then I could let this defeat me, but I'm going to find a way to help myself grow and be better five years from now from this. You know, I think that's absolutely amazing stuff, buddy. Well, and it gave me the confidence now. I just, I got to a point now in my life where I had to ask myself, because I was away from my kids 10 months out of the year and my wife, and mm-hmm. and I just had to ask myself, what what's more important? You know, is it basketball or is it just trying to help my kids improve and make the best out of them? And and I look back at that that year in LA and reading and improving. And it got to a point where I just said, all right, I can do anything. So I just dropped, mm. I dropped basketball. I had two years on my contract still. And I just dropped basketball and wanted to be dad and a, a family man. And now yeah. I'm focusing on going back to school and doing that. Like I told you, it's all a mindset. And if you want to be a victim and put, blame yourself and you know and and blame or blame others i should say instead of yourself you know Mm -hmm. then you're going to end up with bad things but i feel really believe if whatever you put out is what you're going to get back and if you put out positive energy naturally positive things will come back to you but you have to work and strive for good things to happen too uh, yeah, and I did some research, was reading about your time in Japan, and like you mentioned, like your numbers were legit, like you were hooping, man, and it was like, and then I top read a really cool scoring, story. Top, top 10 in rebounding, top 10 in scoring, I, I was all-star, I, I, I know someone can't beat my record, I had 90 points in one weekend, so talk to me, you know, I, I, I know I can do anything my confidence yeah. is unbelievable yeah and then i read a really great article about i think it was a writer from spokane just talking about you transitioning you know like you talked about and i think that's powerful just the ability to look big picture because you know i'm a took us a while to get our son and we have him and he's gonna be four in november and like there's moments along the time you just don't get those back right like and i'm sure you experienced that while you were playing is like how many little things that you know you wish you could have been there obviously you're you know, you're working and you're taking care of your family, which is huge. But at some point you reflect and go, 
you know, at what point do I, where, what's, where's my priority now, you know, and, and where's my now, like that book you're talking about. So absolutely great stuff, dude. Um, it's just money, my friend. It's just, it's not even, it's just money. (laughs) I can always, I can always get money. It's, it's it's just how I'm going to get money. That's the only, Mm -hmm. that's the, that's how you got to think about it. It's, I'm not, I'm not losing anything. I'm gaining more from being here. And I'm, and it's just something, you know, it's a transition. You just have to accept. And I just accepted it earlier and um, I have no regrets in my decision. Amazing, man. Can it, can I ask you a question though? It's kind of serious. Yeah. Can you tell me about the, the dunk contest? Oh, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you. I was hung over. I'll be the first one to tell you. I'm not going to lie. Like I told you, I, 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 I don't leave any, any stone unturned. Hey, it was an all-star game. I was in the all-star game. I, and first of all, I told them I didn't want to be in the dunk competition, but because I was already in the all-star game, I was like, ah, I'll do it. Why not? And I just remember we had a good night the night before. I don't think I got home until about four that next morning. Uh, just just hanging out with the fellas, Trasolini, all those guys. We were just talking, you know, having a good time. And, man, that dunk competition didn't come early enough, I feel. And it was it was on my doorstep before you could know it. And then I am asking myself, you watch the video over again, you look at me. All I'm asking myself is, how do I get out of this? How, <laughs> how do I get out of this? But, you know. Uh, I can't wait to watch the video again. Oh, you'll see. You'll just see you're going to be like, oh, man, I do not want to be here right now. But that's life, man. And uh, the crazy part was it happened. And then I was like, oh, man. I'm going to, it's going to go viral. Like that's going to go viral. I know it is, but it didn't go viral and it didn't go viral for weeks. And I was like, all right, I've got, I scaved clean from this. And then about two to three months later, my phone went, I woke up and I had like 30 texts saying, can you explain this? And I was like, oh my, it just went viral. But (laughs) You know, hey, hey, Love it. bad media is better than no media at all. You know what I'm saying? Straight up, man. Straight up. It couldn't happen to a better dude, too, because you you just got the great personality for it. It just roll right off your back, man. I love it. Yeah, man. If, it. Yeah. if, if yeah. I'm worried about what other people think, then I'm not, I'm not focused on the right things. 100%. It seemed, though... Was it cool playing over there? Because it, like, I, I bet the fans it. just adored it. you guys, and like, yeah, it must have been crazy. I loved it. You know, it. It's uh, unfortunately where the way basketball has the way basketball is going. The the prototypical center big man, um, it's dead in the NBA. That that mm-hmm. position is dead. It's not, I don't, unless somebody comes in like a Shaquille O'Neal again and dominates that position, like it, I don't think it'll ever be the same, you know, that back mm-hmm. to the basket game. Um, I, part of that is probably the, why, the reason why I'm not in the NBA anymore. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I, but I think looking back, when I went to Japan, that was the game still. 
back to the basket. I got my touches on the block where I wanted it. I get to my right hand hook, you know, the everything that I was taught in high school to do basically as a big man, I got to be able to do in the professional level. And I think that for me, that was also another confidence builder because I, it wasn't just pick and roll again. You know what I mean? Like it got to get my touches again and really I first game I got into Japan, I was like, I'm setting the tone. I said, defense is what got me over here. Playing defense was what got me to Japan. So guess what? I'm just shooting now. So the first game I had 26 points, 17 rebounds, I think. And I think I shot 26 shots that first game just to set the tone early. This is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my career over here. And I stuck to it. It's awesome love it man that's great you got a cool kobe story or three three thousand uh, yeah man what do you want man i'll give you one I mean, where looked, he was, i just looked at some out. of your rosters like you mentioned right like i looked at and i just got a list of like notable teammates and it's like kobe steve nash nick young dwight howard pal gasol meta world jeremy lynn carlos boozer d'angelo russell lou williams like and like within that the personalities like oh. i can only imagine Oh my yes. goodness. Oh my like goodness. The me- I listened to your Metapod. It was so fun. He's like Meta. I, Meta and you must have been bad news hanging out and just goofing around, giggling, man. Like, I, that's. Yeah. Well, his wife's from funny. Vancouver, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. 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 So his wife and my wife get along really well. So we were close. And yeah, I did. I, uh, when, when you're around those guys, then you realize. Everyone's just human, man. Mm-hmm. Everyone is just human. You know, we all have our, uh, when you're around guys like Kobe and stuff, no matter how big their stardom is, stardom is or whatever, um, you realize they're just human beings. And they mm-hmm. and if you just see that within them, then I think you get along just fine. I remember giving Kobe a lot of crap. I'm like, damn. And we were sitting on the bench. I go, well, I give you, oh, here's a, here's a story. Here's a Kobe story. You're going to have to censor this because I don't care. Yeah, no problem. Love it. Uh, um, we were playing Dallas and it was going into halftime. And he goes, hey, Sack, inbound the ball real quick. And so I can get a shot off. I got you. It was off of a free throw. So, they they made it. I quickly inbound. I went in, tried to inbound the ball quick, and he did some bullshit juke. And he was like juke, like you know when you're you're trying to get open, but you're really not. Like you don't know which yeah. way you're going to get open, right? Yeah. And so I passed to Jay Crowder, and he basically just got a layup and one. And I remember getting subbed right out, and Cole came get subbed out too or something i don't remember why but he was subbed out and we sat on the bench and i said cole i don't have a lot of opportunities to say this but you can go yourself on that one (laughs) (laughs) you know i said i don't really have a lot of opportunities to say this but you can go yourself because you made me look crazy out there and he just smiled and laughed and uh 
we and and he like he knew he was in the wrong. He knew he he shouldn't have done that juke and and so that's where we had our respect for each other. You know, like I never I would never back down to that man. Like I respected him, but at mm-hmm. the same time, he would have said the same stuff to me too, right? So. Mm-hmm. That's just that's the type of guy he was. He he, he didn't take it personal either. That was the cool yeah. part, you know. And, and so yeah. I had a lot of lot of respect for him on that, and 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 that's my one of my favorite Kobe stories I can remember because he just said, "You're right, Zach. You're right." And I and I wasn't trying to prove that I'm right or anything, but he. You're pissed. <laughs> I was pissed. You got me. Hey, Kobe, I don't make the same type of money as you do, brother. My my leash is a lot shorter than yours. You dig? You know? <laughs> can't be, can't be inbound into like the wrong team, paycheck. man. Yeah, my yeah. leash looks like my paycheck, brother. You can't be just doing that to me. <laughs> Gold, man. All right. Are you ready for some lightning round questions, and then we'll let you get on your way? I'm... I BS questions. Come on, send them. All right, man. (laughs) You actually did read them too. That's good. So uh, what are your thoughts about ketchup on macaroni? Is that a Canadian thing? Uh, Is that a Canadian thing? Maybe. I do it. I do it. You know what I was... Okay. But I don't see a lot of told, Americans do it. That's why I was asking. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, you, that, there's you, your answer. Yes. Catch up on... Your de- it's acceptable. Wow. Oof. Is that... An, is that it says mind-boggling to you, man? I don't get it. I don't know why. Is it I taste just nasty? Not, I'm just not... De- I'm not down, man. I'm not down at all. I was when I was like five. Yeah, when I was five. But I became a, a man, and now I just don't put ketchup on my macaroni. And so it's a very controversial topic. Like it's it's pretty much even on the people we've talked to and polled. Like you got a lot of some people are quite aggressive about it. Huh? It's all, it all depends on the macro. If we're dealing with KD, do you know what KD yeah. is? A hundred percent. Okay. Well, Americans don't know what KD is, and it's craft dinner, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, if it's KD ketchup, if it's good homemade macaroni and cheese, no ketchup. Fair. We've had that answer to that. And that makes sense. All right. Yeah. We'll let you get away with that. That's fair. Um, give me the top five greatest rappers for you. The Rob Sacre top five oh, I list. I know Snoop Dogg. I, Snoop Dogg. Oh, he's going right into it. Oh yeah, Snoop because Snoop Dogg's, Snoop Snoop Dogg's tattooed on my. He's tattooed on me, so I better say that Snoop Dogg, DMX, Too Short, Master P, and I need to get someone in two thousand. I guess um, I would probably say uh, you put Tupac and 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 Biggie in their own era, so. Yeah, Tupac. I don't know. Uh, I like UGK. Would that consider as a, okay. one group or one uh, one rapper? That's fair. We'll give All you right, that. Cool. Yeah, okay. Too short, absolute legend. Wow, did you see Snoop and uh, DMX live on IG? I did. My it, it, 
doesn't give me a lot of confidence in my future when I saw DMX's body. I really, I realize that's where I'm heading. I am not one. I am not one to talk about people's bodies, but yes, hey. DMX did. Yeah. Yeah, it just happens, bro. I know you, yeah, you, your body is, you know what? When I saw you on your, one of your pictures, you look like Adonis. You look like a good <laughs> in my eyes. Let's just fold the podcast on that right there. My man, my man, 50 grand. Let's go. Um, who, who's been the most important person in your life? Absolutely. My mother, uh, she, she's a workaholic. I'm, I'm bitching at her right now to calm down and not work so much just because she's older, but my mom mm -hmm. and uh, my grandfather who passed away, my dad's dad, um, mm -hmm. he's been a huge influence in my life. So those two people, I can definitely say, have steered me to become the man I am. That's awesome. I couldn't believe the dedication of your mom that one the summer that I coached was like, holy smoke, she's and such a great lady, man. Yeah. Get down there, mom Dukes, man. Put the Put the work away and go see the grandkids and hang out. Oh, trust me. We have to do that. We we have yeah. to force her to put the put the work down and come see come see the kids. Got it. Who who in your mind is the greatest basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan. Greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. And then for centers, I would say Shaquille O'Neal. Because I, I feel like you can't just say who's the greatest of all time because positions make a difference, right? You're not going to have Shaquille O'Neal guarding like Michael a, Spoken like a true center. You know? Yeah, fair. Who are some other great yeah. centers, do you think? Who are some of the greatest centers oh, to ever play? Kareem. You got Kareem, yeah. but uh, Wilt, obviously. But at the same time, uh, Elijah Wan. But, but, you know, you got to look at Shaq the way he truly – like, you see how Steph Curry has changed the game where people are shooting threes from damn near half court. Well, Shaq was, he was the opposite. He was the, the opposite of that. He was like, okay, we have to change our game to having five to six big men on our roster just to guard this one man. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Where, who other, who other player had teams just draft, draft bigs just off of size? Guys were in the weight room just to stay in the weight room. Just, they didn't even lift basketball, touch basketballs. They just had to be in the weight room the whole time just to guard this man, you know? So just to, just, I just to, to try and lean on him. Correct. He was so dominant, like so dominant. Right. It was To crazy. the point where it was so easy for him that I think he lost his fire because no other bigs could guard him at that point. He lost yeah. that drive, I feel, you know? Yeah. For sure. Who did you look up to, though? Were you like, uh, obviously, you're a big man. So did you oh, like, was man. it like? Throw Miles Swift, Vancouver's Grizzlies, baby. I Let's still got go. a rookie I'm card on my wall. I'm throwing it up right now. Throwing it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Stro Miles Swift. Um, yeah. The Stro Show. I, I, I'm, I'm blessed to be, say, be able to say I was able to watch Grizzly games in GM place. No, not Roger Arena. I said GM place. The garage. The general's garage. Yes, sir. <laughs> man, it would be dope if we could get the team back, but I don't know. I'm working on it, man. I'm trying to get people to, but 
this whole COVID thing is starting to piss me off. I want a team up there. They, and Adam Silver said he regrets even pulling a team out. So my whole goal is to get a team in Seattle and then a team in Vancouver. That'll put us at 32 teams, man. Move Let's Memphis go. and move Memphis and New Orleans to the to the east then. Give them a little bit more competition. There you go. Look at you. Future GM right here. Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the greatest player you've ever played against? Kobe. No okay. question. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Kobe. And I would talk smack. Like I told him I'd never be on his team when we play one on one or any of that, like five on five, just because mm -hmm. I like beating. Right. But then he'd always rub it in my face when we'd lose. So yeah. I, it, and that was it was always like a three to one ratio of winning to losing to him so that was i trust me i heard a lot of it yeah but when you get that one though oh man it tastes like a good 200 dollars steak <laughs> you've had a 200 dollars steak you haven't come on now i've been i've been fortunate enough to be around some good people that have put some good meat in my belly <laughs> <laughs> we do have like a dad's night here in our neighborhood and the dude uh one of the guys is crazy so he did on saturday he did like a 26 pound brisket that was talk to yeah me he smoked it for like 12 hours 14 hours oh. Oh. some slaw some some like sweet sort of pickles on it oh my god and then he did garlic fries too Woo. i'm gonna yeah Thanks. that sounds really good <laughs> okay two more man we appreciate your time um what is the greatest chip on earth you have five bucks what bag of chips are you getting oh sour cream and onion don't matter oh no 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 no. kettle chips i don't know y'all have kettle chips yep. up there yeah kettle chips had this bacon maple oh mm. wow mm -mm. oh it was so good I don't know if they still, I haven't seen them in the store, but they were a problem for me for, for one summer. It was a real issue. <laughs> but you recovered from it. Uh, I haven't seen them in the store. So I, I'm saying it's, yeah, they're recovering from me. That's bro. <laughs> that's what I should say. This has been so good, man. And the last question we have, you know, you've you've given us so many takeaways, lots of reflection, lots of things that growth, some comedy, like, and this is what I've always appreciated about you, Robbie, is just you always make people feel comfortable. And like, you know, the couple of times that I've bumped into you in Vancouver in town, it's like you treat me like I saw you a month ago, you know what I mean? Or like I've been in your life for 30 years, man. And and I think that we, we were super excited that you were willing to be a part of this. So, you know, you've have, you have a crazy hoops journey and kind of the, the purpose of our podcast as we're doing it is not, not about the names. It's just, it's the stories and how people have got to where they are through the game of basketball. And you shared a lot of that today. So our final question for you is um, if you could do it all again, you would what? I would, if I could do it all again, I would, I would push myself even for harder. I would push myself even harder, mentally and physically. Now, is that because like, based on what you've learned in more of your kind of adult life upon reflection, like you realize that maybe yeah. there was room for absolutely. a little more? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, 
I feel I'm not saying I I I I feel like I did. I I worked, I know first of all, no matter what, I was one of the hardest workers on any team I played on. I can tell you that, and I'm, I'm I'll be the first one to tell you that. But um, but yeah, still I think I can still go harder. Hmm. Love it, man. That's a great answer, and and I think like it's cool to listen to you and just how, you know, you're still a young man, you have a young family, but just like how, you know, the next 60 years of your life, how you're going to attack life and your approach. I think a lot of people can take a lot away because, you know, it's like, I think people would assume that like playing on the Los Angeles Lakers next to Steve Nash and uh, Kobe Bryant is like the pinnacle, but it sounds to me like you've got a lot of more life to live and you've got a few more peaks and valleys that you want to get to. Oh man, you know what? Chicks dig it, dudes respect it because all I can do is keep getting better, man. <laughs> what am I supposed to say to that? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Amazing, man. Before we let you go, do you do you have any more shout outs or anyone that you uh want to give some love to, maybe up here on the West Coast or anyone in general? And then we'll let you, you know get what? on your way. Um, I'm just blessed to be able to have this opportunity to talk with you, Anne. It's been so long since we talked, and I'm very grateful to have let you uh, have me on the show. And um, yeah, I'm I'm grateful. And man, anytime you need anything from me, you can always ask, brother. Appreciate that, man. I got to get, uh, once things settle, I, I've been threatening since I graded from Spokane to get down for a Zags game. So that would be a fun little road trip to, uh, to I'm going to leave you with this before I leave. I'm going to leave you with Please. this before I leave. Uh, did, um, Aaron, did what's his name call you last week about me? Who's that? D's nuts. Ha <laughs> ha.